Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are finishing up our foray into Ragnarok Online, a world of space, techno-Vikings, strange, unknowable dusk goddesses that may or may not be programs, and all sorts of other goodness. You really got to listen to that first episode, I'm telling you. We even add like a little thing at the very end where we like wrap it all up for you. It's really easy and concise. Even if you don't listen to the entire episode, go back and listen to that. Anyway, before we get into that and before we get into building our world anchor, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can submit a prompt and we will build your world on air. If you want to follow us on social media, we are over at Let's World Build on the Twitter. If you want to join us on Discord and chat about world building, or if you want to give us feedback, or for any other reason you want to come chat with us, you'll find a link for that in the description. If you're feeling particularly generous, or you just want those sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, you can go to our Patreon with a link for that in the description, and get all the goodies that are involved. Now... Last we left off, we had a twist and a world anchor to build off of. Now, the twist was attach everything to a major franchise. Uh, This could be any franchise, book, video game, movie, doesn't really matter. As long as it's in a previously established franchise, that's the twist that we're going with. So, Daniel, why don't you start us off and tell us which franchise you wanted to go with. So to be totally honest, I absolutely hate the concept of tying this to a franchise <laughs> because yes, I same. feel like just like I, I get that it's a fun exercise or whatever, but it, <laughs> I always I feel we like are um, of fun on this podcast. Daniel does hate fun. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> I just feel like it's um I get that the goal would be to take something away from that franchise and maybe it does that's interesting that you can then apply, but I just I have no interest in being suborned some other person's world um so when thinking about like this whole viking situation um one thing i really liked um and this isn't really a a major franchise but um it seems to be a stylistic choice that some movies of this type make um and and series um but there's two shows that i have one show i really like called norsemen which is oh you've mentioned that before yeah yeah it's this viking show where the vikings just like it it takes this weird like almost canadian approach to (laughs) the demeanor of vikings that they're horrible and vicious but also like delightful and funny and i also liked recently and these are people aren't vikings but perhaps in the same realm um the humor of the movie eurovision and that the kind of uh icelandic characters i believe they're icelandic um have that same weird sense of humor like that that kind of awkward sensibility i guess it is Mm. um and i think that that's interesting because it just subverts what you'd expect from a grim um overly dramatic um very oh we're pursuing these ancient legends and we're these big heroes with you know dark edgelord pasts um Mm -hmm, (laughs) and makes mm -hmm. them more approachable and, and fun see i i wanted to lean into edgelord a little bit more Mm. but we'll get to that courtney what was what was yours? What was your franchise that you wanted to actually you know what? Let's talk about Daniels first before yeah, let's yeah. not just entirely gloss over his contribution. <laughs> That's fucking rude, goddammit. Um Yeah. I, I really enjoy like the kind of like you wanting to bring a little bit more humor into it mm-hmm. because I think that yeah. you're right, Daniel. I think that we are 
on the precipice of being, you know, in edgelord territory. And while I think there's a time and a place for that, mind you, I think that adding a, a wry sense of wit and humor is a good idea as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Because, yeah, I, I don't want it to, like, go too far. I mean, I know I'm saying this of all people, but wow, I, yeah, I know. I don't want it to go, like, too far into, like, soul-crushingly, horribly yeah. depressing. Mm. It's predictable. Well, see, yeah. I, I think grabbing the theme or the tone is a great idea because when I think of Vikings, I think of like overly heroic deeds, you know, mm. so, stuff that are obvious lies, right? And we all know that they're lies, but like it's so heroic and like fun that you kind of don't care if it's a lie, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like almost like a, a game of telephone where something happens and then over the course of like multiple people talking about it, it just becomes this ridiculous, absurd, over the top heroic Mm. thing. And I think we can probably manifest that in interesting ways as well. I mean, especially considering like the psychic emanations that we have from the certain programs and like the, the kind of, I mean, we never really talked about it, but we have people who are collectively dreaming to power a ship through Mm -hmm. this thing. Right. I imagine that when you start dreaming collectively, things can get kind of soupy and murky a little bit, you know? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Well, this is also set in an indeterminate future. So mm-hmm. um, yes. in the depth of the dying earth fashion, you know, you tend to lose a sense of what was true. Yeah, that's very true. I, I So it's thematically appropriate as well. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot we can mess around with. Um, cool. All right. So Courtney... Daniel's taken us into a more Viking sense. Where where are you bringing us today? What are you thinking? Uh, so kind of felt similar to Daniel with this twist. And not surprisingly, I was pretty indecisive about this one. <laughs> but if we're going the route of treating it as like inspiration rather than necessarily um, direct connection, I have a couple franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, not really major franchises, but a couple things in mind. The first one, uh, speaking of depressing, is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which is a video game that follows a warrior who's mm-hmm. venturing into Helheim to try to save the soul of her dead lover. And apart from its direct connection to Norse mythology, I thought it could fit well with some of the themes of our setting. Like one of the most um, the most interesting things about the game is Senua's mental illness. She suffers from psychosis and hallucinations, which are in a way like the psychic emanations Hmm. we talked about in this dead chaos realm. Um, And through the game, she has kind of realizations about herself and her trauma that she experienced. And I thought that could be interesting to include in the setting. Like if part of why people go to this realm is to confront things from within their own minds, and maybe in particular, even people with mental illness will almost be encouraged to take Hmm. this journey as like, it's like the ultimate exposure therapy because you're literally going to be facing your deepest inner thoughts there. Fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's 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 a, that's a really great point. And uh, I like how you take the the wry wit and humor of Daniel's suggestion and just like go in the opposite direction. <laughs> Completely. Yep. Completely. I, I fully expected it yeah, of you and yeah. I was not disappointed. So thank you on that one, yeah. Courtney. I, I do have a lighter one, kind of. I've been playing the Risk of Rain 2 expansion lately, Survivors of the Void, and as soon as uh-huh. I encountered some of the new enemies and areas, just felt like, 
Yeah, this is weirdly similar to what we've got going on, namely in that there are actual yes. giant crabs as enemies, and the new alternate boss is a massive um, spider crab, I think. Like, what are the odds mm-hmm. of us talking about a creepy chaos realm with big crabs, and then I go off and play a game that happens to have a creepy chaos realm and big crabs? Not only that, <laughs> but the... Uh... The the like the general vibe mm-hmm. of the void itself. Right. I, I too have been playing yeah. some Risk of Rain too. However, it's unfortunately been buried by Elden Ring yeah. because my God, that game is just like absorbed part of my soul. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. No, the, like the void itself is like a cool area, and like I I like to mm-hmm. think that the the crabs in our Viking setting have kind of warped reality and and the programming of reality mm-hmm. around them as such as well yeah well, one thing one thing that your your concept can do is um, make it into more of a character journey which mm-hmm. which you know even though it might have more serious themes can be executed in a lighthearted way you know and people can talk about you know mental illness and still have a sense of humor right yeah um so and, and it, instead of making it about like a world ending you could have a story that's not about a world ending situation it's about a character's transformation or change yeah, yeah yeah totally um yeah the thing in risk of rain in particular that i was kind of drawn to apart from just the the visuals is the um the game actually has some interesting lore in the form of descriptions that you can unlock like in the game itself you aren't actively steeped in the lore it's all contained in things that you can read in between runs. So maybe our dream world setting is similar in that because of the nature of the area, it's not like you're going to walk in and find like a convenient library of other people's experiences, but maybe there are like bits and pieces scattered throughout and it's up to you as you venture in to sort of construct the narrative in your head and figure out what's happened over time. Mm. Um, And then the last one I wanted to touch on is something that we've talked about a number of times before on this podcast, which is Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, which then got adapted into a movie. And I was very much picturing scenes from it last time when we were talking about the chaotic algamations of things um, and how the psychic emanations get weirder and more intense the further you go into this area. And I think to pull from that, we could include ideas like interparty tension as people's psyches get messed with and mm-hmm. more notably maybe this area changes you in some way like the longer you spend there the more i don't want to say corrupted because i don't think that's the right word for it but things about you can change because of your exposure to these like rogue ai godlike entities um mm-hmm. like maybe even the captains or the pilots that we had talked about last time maybe part of why they can guide the ships through the psychic storms is due to like a an adaptation that's occurred to them over time from exposure. Hmm. I think what really interests me about the concept that we're running with here is a direct confrontation of your own, what is essentially an inner psyche, right? Yeah. Like, I think that to me is far more interesting or, or, or the most interesting part about what you're talking about here mm-hmm. is this idea that, you know, it, it changes you, you know, it, when you say you don't want to use corrupt or taint or something like that, I understand that. I think like the way that it's going to change people is through direct confrontation with who they really are yeah, and yeah. who they are as like who they even hide from themselves to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they learn to to view the world in a different way because of what they've experienced. Right. And I, I think I agree with Daniel because he was saying something similar when you were talking about Senua's sacrifice. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, 
speaking of Senua's sacrifice, quick aside, have you seen the trailer for the new Senua's um, game that's coming out? Yes, I have. It looks uh, pretty okay. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, is it brutal. Yeah. yeah. So loving the concepts that we've got running here. Um, hear me out. All right. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. We've got a group of outsiders in a dream ship. They're trying to pierce through this veil, right? They're trying to pierce through the the storm that surrounds this massive area that is causing the absorption of all the dreams of humanity. That's what we established in the previous episode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've also established that there are AI-like gods that are in the mix here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We've also established that we have crabs or crab looking things that are essentially acting as like an antivirus for these people who are trying to come into this thing. Correct. Mm-hmm. And they they're creating like the psychic storms that encircle the, the lost world. Right, 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 right. OK. Um, to me, I feel like this is basically the Matrix. I was thinking that, too, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you've got the ship on the outside going into the inside. Like, it's a weird ship. Like, I feel like we could set this whole goddamn thing up in an alternative version of the Matrix Mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, we go in and we're like Vikings and we have like massive superpower looking things (laughs) because that's what we have as we know that we are lucid dreamers among the Matrix essentially right mm-hmm. and the giant crab things those are basically the the robots that we've already established in the matrix like and even like the weird like vague kind of like ai beings and stuff like that i'm like we have that already we've established everything that the matrix has except now we can make it like not 1999 like cool but like <laughs> viking cool you know what i mean so like no black leather trench coats and stuff no black leather <laughs> trench coats no, you know, like no cool glass. Mm-hmm. And mind you, the 99 movie is a fucking classic. Let's yeah, not mince it's, words. It's, so it's a fantastic movie. It's the only movie they release, to be clear. <laughs> the others are just a figment of our imaginations. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about with these other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry that we have to do this to you. I, I really wanted to focus on The Matrix because I'm like, damn, this is basically, we've got like some heavy beats of matrix here right and i think that we can totally rip that off but what i'm more interested in is because i i was trying to figure out you know the franchise that we have with the anchor in mind and i was like we've got vague nordic mythology i am really interested in this idea of yggdrasil the world tree being like a weird Mm -hmm. golden shard that like pierces through multiple realms of reality. Like, so it, it, it exists both in the matrix and out of the matrix or in this world and in reality. Right. It, and that's what they call it. They call it Yggdrasil. It doesn't actually have to be Yggdrasil, but in reality, what it is, is like some kind of weird piece of programming that is both in the corporeal world and in the ethereal world at the same time. And the I mean, we've already kind of established the the crabs as like antivirus programs. Like like if I were to add a second twist to it, I would probably reverse things where the people who think that they're trying to save the world are actually essentially dooming it by unplugging themselves from this this larger edifice at work. Didn't we also say that there was um, 
what do you call it? Uh, like a replicator that's actually happening on the island yes. as opposed to holographics. Yeah, that's yeah, what the AI yeah, that's correct. Is doing yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I w- just I say that because wouldn't the, the realm they're in not be like um, unreal and more in the sense that it's just artificially constructed, like it's mm-hmm. not holographic. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Yeah, and we had established last time too that that it was just like a lost world continent, not like an alternate mm-hmm. realm or state of being. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like to twist your your idea as to say like rather than it being a separated virtual reality it's kind of like a separated artificially constructed space right Ooh, that that can be fun that it can be like a a weird amusement park in some way (laughs) right (laughs) it's almost as if the matrix wasn't a place you plug your brain into it's a physical space it's just a horrifying replication nightmare you know (laughs) that you go to Yeah, yeah yo that sounds dope that actually sounds really interesting okay can we can we go back and we talk about the twist a little bit here, right? When I say that we we attach it to a major, we understand that we don't have to be like, here's Luke Skywalker from Disney Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. It's like, we don't have to do that. We just have to like basically steal chunks of it and, or, mm-hmm. or like try and absorb part of what we're talking about here and like apply it to the world that we've built, right? Like that's that's how we understand the twist to be, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh your, your tree. Okay, so... If if it's not virtual reality necessarily, but it's this weird replication space to match with what we did in the first episode, would the tree then be somehow immune to this replication? Like, is it not a replication? Because mm. you're saying it penetrates both spaces, like the real world and then the replicated island hell. <laughs> Maybe it's like an actual tree. Maybe oh, it's okay. just a literal living tree and people yeah. are like, wait a minute, we haven't seen something that's mm-hmm. genuine in like so long so like that's why it's like it's it's able to like kind of be in both places at once and it's protected somehow then right from that that horrible yeah. death island yeah that's kind of cool i think i can get behind that actually rob you'd brought up elden ring before and now i'm picturing this tree as one of those like golden light trees from elden. yeah it's, it, you can tell that elden ring is influencing my brain yeah. right now obviously <laughs> but um yeah the the urge tree is like in my mind as i'm thinking of what this thing looks like yeah or or maybe it's like how you look at it depends on which realm you're in like if you're in the the uh the ethereal realm you look at it and it is this giant golden glowing tree but from the outside it's just a regular ass tree you know like when you're in this like manufactured world like this replicator world everything is like hyper it's a hyper version of itself and maybe that's where we can even get like part of the um the tone that daniel's looking for where you can essentially do something incredibly brutal but there's so little consequences because you know it's a replicator world like who cares you know and so you get these moments of heroism that are incredibly ridiculous and over the top but at the same time, it doesn't matter. The consequences aren't there. You know, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot we can do about this. What are we thinking? Yeah, with the tree and thinking about like the like, kind of godlike entities, wondering if the tree is one of those, but it's like some sort of more pure state of somebody or something that had mm. died long ago that's now inhabiting this tree. And because of that, that's why it's like protected from the from the weird shit going on. Does it contain some kind of primordial code or mm. um, uncorrupted 
the schematic it's, that can't be replicated. It's the tree of knowledge from the Garden of Eden. Ah, no. Basically. I, I was I was actually thinking that it is literally just pure information and like mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as much of a mm-hmm. physical form as it could be. Oh, it's okay. So it's a we wanted to say it's an organic tree. It's not a replication, right? It's growing mm-hmm. there. What if its very DNA contains some specific information that would be needed to solve the situation? Mm-hmm. It's in co- it's been grown to have this information, so it literally is information. Yeah, th- that's. I think that's what I was suggesting, right? Yeah, or, I'm yeah. Just like I'm giving your idea some scientific reification. <laughs> Daniel, you know that's not what we do here. You know that's well. I'm sorry. You know that's not what I do here, Daniel. <laughs> just just giving you a hand, just just propping you up. Ugh, you and your making sense of science <laughs> whatever you know um thinking then like to back whenever it started to grow or was engineered or whatever like maybe there was a conflict way back then of somebody who wanted like the more natural world to kind of succeed and and that's where the tree comes from and all of the really fucked up ai stuff was from another faction way back when in ancient times mm, yeah We've, we've got to figure out more about this tree, I think. I mean, if if it's our literal world anchor, we've got to figure out a little bit more hard information about it. But did we, when in the first, see, this is what we get for having some time between recording. In the first episode, um, we had no sense of what caused the, this out of control replication crisis, right? That created this island in the first place. I think all we knew was the idea that um, something was going on where it was draining the dreams of everyone in the oh, world. Remember, it feeds on that. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Actually, right, right. that makes a lot of sense because it can be fuel for the replicator, essentially, right? Like because if it needs, you know, like to create these psychic emanations, like it's probably drawing power from everyone around it, and that means the world in this case, mm-hmm. the tree or the island. Um. The like islands AI stuff. Yeah. Not the tree. Not the tree. Yeah. I think the the tree is like a benevolent thing mm-hmm. amidst all. Do we have to make it benevolent? Why don't we just make well, it a huge neutral. bastard then? Um, I I don't know. I I think it, it is expected, but I think there's something fundamental about this this tree that suggests even if it's not good, it's not evil. Mm. Like it's, it seems mm-hmm. to contain yeah. useful knowledge, but maybe it doesn't really care how you use it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm I'm more interested in something like that where maybe the roots are are like planted in such a way that they are in fact draining the dreams of the people around it. And so it doesn't care. It's just trying to get energy and the energy it needs to power itself is like thought or feeling or dreams, you know, ambition in this case, you know. But you're suggesting, though, that it is the cause of the island or part of the thirst of the island then. Part of it. I don't think that it's would be nece- evil. <laughs> well, no, I don't think it's necessarily evil because maybe the tree is like above that. Maybe the tree is beyond that in some way. Could you say then this with if the island's effects are, are undesirable, right? For at least from the perspective of the Vikings, could we say maybe there are in the roots like people sleeping there that like maybe original mm. people at the center where this tree is and it feeds off of their sleeping? To grow, I do like that image. Yeah. Um. Can, can you can you <laughs> explain that again? When you were describing the tree feeding off of thought, right, like passively, I thought, well, maybe there's people like in the center of this chaos, like that are entombed or something, and the mm. roots are are grown into them or around them, and it's feeding off of them, right, 
that way it's not like feeding off of the heroes who are trying to fight this island but there's something okay. it needs to feed off of thought in some way in order right. to grow mm-hmm. so it's similar to the island but not like vile like it gotcha uh, okay 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 oh I, I see i see what you mean you're you're trying to disassociate the two things you know yeah like you see yeah. one is yeah. okay i gotcha i got you. i mean it maybe the tree isn't benevolent in the sense that we, we think but it's it's not actively trying to consume the world you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, i don't know why that might be like maybe there's some connection between the two like one is a bad effect of the other you know i don't know um i mean going back to like the ancient times maybe maybe all of this was an experiment in gaining immortality and it was just two means of doing that like the ai chaos thing was one where people had kind of injected their minds into this thing and and that's how they're surviving but since they're so dissociated from humanity it's just become this awful thing and then the tree was another where people have like directly hooked themselves Mm -hmm. to it and gained immortality in that way but at the cost of like that's just where they are for all of eternity. That's that's a really cool idea. Are those the gods then? Yeah, I think here's so. here's. I think I'm sorry. Finish your thought, and then I've I'm because I'm like literally about to fucking go off piecing here, it but. together. <laughs> like I'm wondering if if those sleeping people are the gods, you know? Because it seems like um, yeah. it seems it almost seems like we're describing this post scarcity attempt gone awry. Because that's the only reason mm-hmm. why you create a replicator is to achieve mm-hmm. post scarcity, right. you know. I, th- I think there is a way that we can kind of tie everything together here. I love a lot of the concepts that we got going on here. I think that like what is going on is this Courtney's right. Originally these like pod people are being put into, it's not an attempted at immortality. It's like a cryostasis type thing. And maybe there is some like attempted at immortality as well. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but like maybe this is an attempt to upload the consciousness of these people. And what ends up happening is over generations and after this calamity, people tend to forget that. And because the tree needs like more consciousness, it's now starting to leech out and like grab other things that it's like, oh, we've ran out of, you know, like information to upload. Let's try and find more. It's not trying to be evil. It just has programming. It has this thing that it's like fed upon for a long, long time. And now it's like, oh, well, my, my source has dried up and okay, I'm, I'm of two minds of this and I'm sorry for the rambling, except I'm not. That's kind of what I do. But <laughs> there's also a part of me that wants to approach this as these pods are used as a sacrifice by people from outside because they know what will happen or maybe they don't, or, or maybe that's how it used to be viewed. And so the heroes are the ones who are trying to stop this ritual sacrifice from happening by like going into the world itself and stopping the tree at its source or something like that. I I don't know. There's so many different ideas that I've got like buzzing around here. What do y'all think? I mean, are we interested in taking this in the direction of something like a Ridley Scott where the divine ends up being eldritch and not necessarily good in the sense of like from the perspective of those approaching it? Or do we want the divine to actually have revelation, like to actually be something to seek out that can purify you? Because that's the first question. Mm. Hmm. That's a great question, Daniel. Mm. Courtney, I'd love to hear you. I don't know. (laughs) I do still like the idea of keeping the AI chaos separate from the tree Mm -hmm. as far as like Mm -hmm. effects and motivation. 
Yeah. Um, but I also like the idea of like heroes going on this journey and at the end, some of them like sacrificing themselves to the tree. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. And I wonder, I mean, I agree with you, Courtney, that I, I don't want the cause of the chaos to be the tree. That's essentially what yeah, you're suggesting. Yeah. But I do like, what I do like about what you said is that they have to sacrifice. Someone has to sacrifice themselves to take the place of the sleeping people Right. in order to keep that barrier in place and so i wonder if the tree is actually preventing that chaos from getting worse or maybe it's a way mm-hmm. of uh, stopping it yeah it's forming a barrier mm-hmm. it's a firewall yeah <laughs> <laughs> something else to consider too is um like if if such a long time passes between when people make it to the center to the tree that over time people forget what the ultimate kind of end game is Mm. and so sort of each each successful uh group that makes it there it's like oh fuck like this is what we have to do now Mm -hmm. we weren't quite expecting this kind of thing that's why they never return because they end up taking the place of those people to keep the world in balance essentially which could be part of its neutrality that you were trying Mm. to get at like in the end, it is this divine thing, but it requires the sacrifice in order to keep the world in check. Mm-hmm. And that would actually add to its mystery, mm-hmm. right? Where, oh, all, all of our best heroes go here and they never come back. And it's because they make, mm-hmm. yeah, well, it, they, they make the sacrifice each time. You know, mm-hmm. they're the only ones who are hardy enough to continue. And, and no one knows this, of course, but you get to the island and mm-hmm. heroes are often made to make the choice where it's like, well, if you leave, then everyone around you will probably die or likely mm-hmm. like not come back. Yeah. yeah. And there's no way home at that point either. Right. You know, they can't go back through the island. You know, I think that there is probably at least one or two people who are in that tree who have gone mad because they chose not to make that decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they wander now that space. And then they encounter, they probably, as one of the final villains or things they encounter is a hero who is no longer recognizable. That's, it's quote unquote, roaming the base of the tree that they have to defeat Mm -hmm. or deal with. Yeah, that's like super annihilation-y. Yeah. Because in in the book, um, you did have people who, spoilers, from like past expeditions into the zone who like turned into these just bizarre things that aren't really recognizable as people. There you go. Unless you piece together certain clues. And if you wanted to do like the Hollywood version, then you'd have like a child following the footsteps of their of their parents and then meeting that parent at the very end or something like that. You know, like that's the that's the Hollywood schlock version. (laughs) We've been talking a lot about this world tree. I'm super into it. I'm so glad that we like got to like sit down and really hunker down Mm -hmm. with this concept here. Let's go ahead and move into our factions because, man, we got we got some real interesting options here now. Uh, let's see who started us off the first time. Daniel did with his anti fan fiction screed, which I fully support, <laughs> mind you, uh, partially. Uh, so, Courtney, why don't you start us off this time with your faction? What are you thinking about this time? So I'm tentatively calling them shamans, but definitely open to whatever. I came up with um, people who are experts at calming others down. Basically, they help heroes before the journeys, maybe are brought along on the expeditions to keep people as calm as possible so that the negative psychic energy doesn't prevail. Mm. They could do this in the form of like 
meditation or essentially therapy sessions or <laughs> uh-huh. uh, drugs or maybe even sort of like base comforts like sex. But however they go about it, basically their purpose is to limit the negativity of the psychic emanations that occur as soon as you enter this place. Yeah, you say shamans, I say cognitive behavioral therapist. Pretty so. much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, similar role in society sometimes, mm-hmm. I bet, but I, I like that. So are they purely on the outside or do they journey to the world as well as kind of like a, a travel medic, so to speak? Yeah, I could see some of them going in as, yeah, like field medics, basically, to keep people mm-hmm. relaxed while they're facing all these horrible things question how do people know about the psychic emanation stuff if no one ever comes back Mm, i mean i feel like people would come back um it's just that once you get to the center that's like the point of no return okay that makes more sense gotcha Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like people are roaming the seas in an attempt to get there too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay I i can i can support that then um so we were talking about the field medics, like shamans who come with them. Is that a thing? Do we establish that? Yep, definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. I wonder if there's something we can do to make them stranger um, and that maybe they have special technology or tools mm. they use in their psychological mm-hmm. work. Like maybe some transhumanist aspects. Like Ooh. like something that lets them maybe delve into their dreams or I don't know, like playback stuff. Mm-hmm. What if they're able to, or or maybe they have to tap into what, because the psychic emanations feed off of the people, right? That we've established that, right? Yeah. Maybe in order for them to figure out how to calm the other people down, they have to delve into that psychic emanation to begin with. So they basically have to use the technology, whatever fragments of it they have in, in order to try and counteract it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have like, cybernetic enhancements almost to help them with this well yeah whatever it might be i'm just thinking if you want to make them strange like i'm totally down with the idea of hold on i've got to enter this trance and jack myself into the yggdrasil root (laughs) and like figure out the the people that you're trying to like psychoanalyze essentially and like the deepest darkest strangest parts of them yeah could we um maybe what we could do is like they have seeds um quote unquote that they either eat or ingest or can grow that are parts of the the tree Ooh, that give them yeah. this kind of like psychotrance that we're talking about. That's really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. like fruit that they've collected. It's fruit, yeah. That's yeah. what I was mm-hmm. thinking. And that and it's like um it's technically like synthetic or whatever, but or I don't know, but mm-hmm. but it's like it that's why we keep it away from being totally like tech in terms of like yeah. cyberpunk mm-hmm. tech, you know. I'm thinking that this fruit, like if you slice it open, I don't know why I have this imagery, but I'm thinking of like, these are essentially like fetal versions of whatever it's trying to grow synthetically and replicate synthetically. Oh, So like you slice this thing open and it's like, like a nightmare, like fetus of a calf slash human, like whatever, you know, like these are essentially monsters or, or representations of whatever is trying to grow. But it's just been found early, you know? Creepy. Actually, the idea that the tree itself is growing the replicator things is horrifying in and of itself. And I'm kind of digging the imagery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could also be like other uh, less pure trees in Mm. like the the Mm -hmm. chaos realm that are more so doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like an effect of whatever the tree is fighting against, right? Mm. 
Oh, so you get like the, so the, the tree itself is the pure version, but we're right. tapping into mm-hmm. like the stank dead wood version, <laughs> like, that, like the detritus essentially yeah. of, of the tree itself or like the, not the corrupt version, but maybe something that's the alt version. You yeah. Know? Or yeah. depending on Courtney, how you want to make these shaman operate, like, are they toying with stuff from the actual tree or are they toying with some kind of corrupted version of it? Hence the horrific seed <laughs> right right mm. um as far as what the shamans are eating yeah exactly yeah i would say like yeah the corrupted one especially because i feel like once you make it to the tree itself like that is the point of no return so they must be harvesting from from elsewhere mm-hmm. which has some gross implications for what they're eating <laughs> oh the, the the world tree the yggdrasil tree that's like the only tree in this entire landscape that is uncorrupted and all of the trees surrounding it that do bear the fruit of these psychic emanations, those are the ones corrupted by like the weird antiviral crab things, right? right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the, the, okay, yeah, that, that totally makes it. So, so you grab fruit from the nightmare tree is what you're, yeah. is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it goes back to what you're saying in terms of allowing them to tap into the same psychical stuff that's happening in the storm. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. So they're like literally eating like other people's fears almost. Fears, mm-hmm. ambitions, all that. They're eating a psychological profile of other people. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Which, you know, horrifying and fun in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah. I wonder what the long-term effects would be. Huh. Uh, madness. Because yeah, yeah. My, my favorite thing about, you know, like clerics and prophets and shamans from Nordic mythology is... 99% of the time they just go crazy yeah. or they already are crazy. And that's what makes them a prophet or a shaman in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of like an interesting sacrifice parallel to mm-hmm. like they're sacrificing themselves so that other people can go and eventually sacrifice themselves to the tree. Yeah. Except they get to do it in a much shorter time period. They're the shamans like sacrifices and, and, and the suffering is extended. Right, yeah, it's like years and years of buildup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, see, yours is all thematic and cool. My faction is so much easier and so much like simpler and brute, dumb, strength, easy. I just thought like, you know what? Okay, who are the who are the traditional enemies of the Norsemen? And, and it's not the English and it's not, you know, uh, defenseless. Uh, it's not defenseless Christian monks, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's the giants. So I wanted to add some giants somewhere here. And uh, I was like, well, what what can we do when we have science fantasy and there's no life on these flings? How, how can I make a giant enemy? I, I named them the children of Ymir, who is the, the god of giants in Norse mythology. And I think once we were talking about the kind of shunned heroes, that made everything really click because originally I just had them, they they were just going to be humans or, or, or things that were essentially power armor. And so they looked and acted like giants. But now that we have these kind of corrupt heroes, these are the people who have shunned the choice. And now they are trapped in these giant machines that are biomechanical and they are a cage of their own guilt. And they're giants. They're not evil. They're trapped, tragic heroes. That's what I wanted mm-hmm. to go with now that we have that extra bit. I think that 
helps a lot with the piece that I thought I was missing. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're their like suits or whatever are psychic emanations that over time have kind of warped around them because mm-hmm. of the extreme mm-hmm. guilt that they've been feeling. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm just thinking it as like, oh, well you had to make the choice and then they didn't make the choice in time or, or they tried to do it after the, the time had passed. And so they locked themselves into these things and these roots kind of grew around them and they become a humanoid form. And obviously there's like, they're covered in runes because you have to have runes as, as anyone will tell you, you have to <laughs> yeah. have runes of course. somewhere in a Nordic mythology inspired aesthetic, you know? I love that. It's also mm-hmm. it reminds me kind of, again, like the, the release got, um, you know, those, those, the large, um, what were they called? Engineers. Yeah. The space jockey. Engineers. Oh yeah. 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 yeah like, I could see them more, but even bigger, right? Because they're giants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm looking at giants, I'm I'm only looking at like 15 to 20 feet tall. Not like obviously. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to go colossal. <laughs> here. Well, then that works. They're about they're about yeah. 15, 15 feet or so. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> I also love I also love the like when when you're able to have a dual explanation for something in terms of it being both. Um, science fictional and mythological you know mm-hmm. which i think mm-hmm. that's what really scott in particular does really well but yeah mm-hmm. i could see you know like these things but also see how they're formed mm-hmm. yeah i i mean i didn't have that piece until we made it and then i was like once because again i just wanted giants and i wanted like power armor suits <laughs> and then once we added that piece i'm like awesome i'm taking that opportunity i'm jamming those two together and it's, I think it works really well too. Yeah. I, I think that once you have that reveal of like these giants being former heroes, like there's a tragedy to them that is compelling, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm. Uh, Daniel, finish us off here with your faction. What do you got for us, sir? So I was thinking of having sentient Viking ships. Oh, um, mm-hmm. because we have these vessels that have to chart through that course. And I know there's a captain who's technically the one who's awake, right? The others are dreaming in order to make their way through there. So I'm wondering if perhaps that captain taps into or communes with or interacts with a ship that is actually living in some way, since, you know, the Viking ships are basically the settings version of their stallions, right? So <laughs> maybe these these ships contain some kind of core of consciousness that's rare, um, that is not corrupt. Like perhaps it's pre-corruption technology. And so these ships, like if they're lost, like you never can get them back again. They're lost in the sea. If they're lost to sea, the core is lost. So they're mm-hmm. well-protected and venerated and they have individual personalities. Okay. That's cool. All of that's great. I'm now immediately thinking that, you know how we said Yggdrasil like reached between the two realms? Mm-hmm. I imagine that there is an entire journey or quest, like, because the, the the ships themselves, are they made out of the world tree? Like they're wood from oh, the world yeah, tree? yeah, that would be dope. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense yes. that they're living because the, the tree itself is essentially pure information. Yeah. So like you have this incredibly dangerous journey just to get the wood from the branches of the world tree, mm-hmm. get on out of there. And now you mm-hmm. have to make a boat, but it's like, yeah, I think that makes sense. 
Oh, and that's why the the captains can draw the power to resist the storm because yep. the tree is opposed to the psychic chaos, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and it's the pure version. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Maybe, look, at the, um, look at this coming together. Look at that. <laughs> maybe the the core that you were talking about is fruit from the world tree itself, as opposed oh. to like the corrupted kind of trees. Yeah. They're alt trees. It's a real seed. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that, that's what I was thinking. It's a literal seed. Yeah. And there's only so many. That's why they're very precious. Yeah. I guess like, you know, like maybe you can take a journey, but you're not going all the way to the tree, like you're saying. You're trying to recover some seeds or something. Yeah, like right. from like the farthest possible branches, basically, mm-hmm. yep. before it really pulls you in. AI core, I think you mean seed from the world tree. Because <laughs> that's what they are, right? Like yeah, they're essentially yeah. acting as an AI core. Actually, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Um, that's yeah. I think we did it, you guys. I think we made a fucking Viking setting that's really bizarre <laughs> and kind of cool and like desolate, but also not. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the main quest is kind of obvious to me right now. I, I want to. I'm curious as to what you guys think because the quest is go into the world tree and, and continue the cycle, right? So that's the obvious one. Mm-hmm. What's the not obvious one? I liked Courtney's idea of um, an individual character journey mm-hmm. that's psychological and that isn't necessarily concerned with saving the world, which would be the mm-hmm. world tree situation, but um, solving some personal problem mm-hmm. through a journey. Yeah. Great. Let's talk about this person and their journey. Because it's if it's not about the world tree, it's not about necessarily sacrificing themselves to the world tree. What is it? It's about like confronting everything that they they fear the most that hurts them the most basically so that they can recover from whatever is ailing them can we take that can we have it so they have to fell a giant and by that i mean they have to rescue someone from the giant mech thing someone that they lost yeah i mean to go back to your stocky hollywood idea it could be like a parent Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or some other family member or a lover or what have you. I like the idea that, I mean, because the, the giants, right, they, they kind of represent guilt in a way, like a guilt of a broken promise to heroism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we can double down on that. And instead of having it be like a, a, a parental thing, or we can still do that. But I'm thinking that these two people go out on a journey together to do the heroic thing. Mm-hmm. One of them gets really injured along the way and has to turn back. That's where the initial guilt starts. The secondary part of the guilt comes when the other person who isn't injured goes and becomes one of the sons of Amir by mistake mm-hmm. or not by mistake, but feels so bad that they don't get to make this journey or can't feel like they can make the sacrifice without the other one that they become the giant instead yeah i like that idea and so the the quest that we're doing now is the person is healed up and now has to come back and find and and it's probably like a pretty quick turnaround right much shorter than the normal time span of like heroes going in because I don't know if you guys are thinking the same thing. I'm thinking that this is like on a, a an annual cycle or a cycle that is, you know, like measured in years rather than like, okay, we got to just toss heroes at this thing constantly. It's it's a cyclical aspect, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like people would probably need time to recover between journeys just because yes. of how, how much of a toll it takes on you. Exactly. Both physically and definitely mentally, emotionally. Yes, 100%. And so the, so this person is coming back maybe maybe too early from the last journey, but they can't they can't help but feel guilty for leaving the other person and they need to go back. And they don't know that they're trying to save them from the giant until they recognize the person. You know, something like that. That's that's where my brain goes. Yeah. Yeah. If it's like a a personal journey or like a very small group, maybe it's even like they against the wishes of their elders and their, mm-hmm. their clan mm-hmm. or whatever, they kind of took a ship of their own to go in Ooh. before it would normally be recommended. Like they should have rested for longer. They should have spent more time recovering. But because they, they make their own ship, they mm, they yeah. like none of the other ships are available. So they have to go and make their own ship. And then they're like, look, this is built for four people. Normally mm. it's 12. I need my me and my best friends or the craziest motherfuckers who would <laughs> be able to do it. You know I, mean, I mean, I think it would be interesting if they stole a ship because then they would have to Ooh. struggle with its mm. sentience. Right. Yeah. And the, yeah. the ship yeah. would not want them to travel. But they for somehow they convinced the ship to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that could work too. Mm-hmm. Um, a- anything else that we want to add? Because Daniel, I love the idea of not making it a world ender, but instead, like uh-huh. we're not trying to save the world. We're just trying to save this one person. Yeah. No, yeah. I think there's a lot of room there, you know, just with what, what you guys just talked about, um, mm-hmm. especially in constructing this, this kind of rebellious hero. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we're, we're stealing from Senua's sacrifice, which I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where where can we add in your kind of wry gallows humor, Daniel? Because I feel like that's the one thing that we're kind of missing with this Norsemen. Uh, you know, like we're we're not we're not really grabbing the Norsemen aspect here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if like it's a sort of thing that you'd have to render. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. in that, sure, it's we're not talking about it, but I don't know if it's like in the interactions, the writing, the the casting. You'd have to have that right. happen. It's more tonal than like direct, like something and that we can demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which I get, you know, like, I don't, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think like, what are some of the things materially that they do say in Eurovision to make things kind of goofy? Like one thing they right. do is they have, they actually have elves, like they actually exist in the world, you know? <laughs> and they, there's a little subplot where that involves them. That's kind of silly. So maybe there needs, maybe the ships are silly in some way, you know, maybe their personality. I was are. thinking that too. Yeah. 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 You could have like a sassy ship of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, maybe like the ships the venerated are tired of this, or like the Ooh, yeah the mind of the the tree that is really what those ships are like is is kind of the sarcastic element that keeps them centered or you know amused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be fun. I like that idea a lot. Agreed, and I think too there's opportunity for humor in some ways in like the psychic emanations before it gets really serious as you yes. enter in, but like on the outskirts when you're kind of confronting like your your minor fears or like your minor anxieties yep. and like some weird like animal appears and everybody's like wait you're afraid of those like what the fuck <laughs> and then and then like or, or it's like you know you uh you have an animal and then it turns and it has your dad's face and you're like whoa <laughs> <laughs> and it has like a really <laughs> conversation with you that's just like odd you know like it's yeah. not like this epic scary thing it has this unusual conversation with you that then leads mm-hmm. to some violence but yes. it's that's what happens in norseman it's like they have these conversations that are very like modern you know and silly with their accents of course but then someone gets their head chopped off you know? 
I think that could work. I think that you could have these animals, like you, maybe there's an animal that you're afraid of and maybe you like need your dad's affection or maybe you need your mom's, you know, like acceptance or whatever. Maybe you combine those things. So it's like, it is a spider with the face of your mother who's very disapproving. And so Horrifying. it's like you have this deep conversation with your mom and then you kill a giant horrible spider at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Until things start to get a little bit more real the further you go. But, right, you know, right. Yeah. I, th- I think that works. I-, I don't know if the humor lands the way that you want it to, Daniel, but I think that could work potentially, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you can work with it, yeah. Yeah, I could picture, like, sort of just weird, like, benign conversations almost. Like, mm-hmm. you remember that time when I told you to put away the dishes and you didn't and I was so disappointed? Like, that sort of thing, like, very... Oh like, my god! The sorts of yeah. things that just stick with you for a long time, even though they're completely inconsequential. You, you could have the you could have the three a.m. conversation with your brain. <laughs> hey, remember that yeah, time yeah. In, in high school where you said that weird thing? And then it's just that, but like manifest as <laughs> a it's like it's like little like creature. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, that that actually is kind of fun. I think that's pretty. Yeah, I think that could work for sure. Um, <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode, y'all. I don't, I don't know. I think that we've we've wrapped it up. We have a very serious quest the further we go, but on the outside, it's just going to be, you know, funny bits and stuff like that. I think that works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I, I just realized that I feel like we took the horrifying parts of, um, oh, what's the movie that you always reference, Courtney? Um, you literally said it this episode. Oh, Annihilation. There we go. Yeah. I feel like we just took like the horrifying scenes from Annihilation and we were like, what if we could make that funny? And then that's what we did. And then also still kept in the parts of Annihilation that come later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this series. Remember that if you want us to build your world and have us build your series, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on the Twitters, at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord and talk to us about Techno Vikings or sassy Valhalla ships or whatever you want, there's a link for that in the description. And if you're feeling particularly generous or you just want our sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, you can give money to us on Patreon with a link for that also in the description. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. Bye.